0: Welcome Valley family, Uh, we are in week number three of our series that we're calling uh, What's Next. We're looking at what's next, next steps for each of us as individuals on our spiritual journey. And and also next steps for us as a church as well. And uh, uh, this this is really a vision series that that we're just narrowing the focus of our vision even more and uh, so I want to do a quick review and then get into the material today it's going to be a different kind of message really and uh, I think you'll see that as we, as we dive into the new stuff, but big shout out to our Poughkeepsie campus. We love you, uh, all of our Valley peeps there at Regal Cinemas, and also those joining us online, hundreds and hundreds of people every single week join us online through our online campus, and that's why we say we're one church with multiple locations, and do want to just give you an update before we jump in to the message today uh, uh, on the uh, planning board meeting that we had this week. We didn't get finalized final approval this month in September. Uh, There's still some technical stuff that came up uh, in terms of uh, tying into the town sewer that we need to show on plans and stuff. So the engineers are working to get that done right now. And uh, uh, incredible favor that we have with the town. And we're real confident in October we'll get that final approval. uh, And then, you know, really the planning stage is over. We'll move into the renovation stage, the last third of the whole project. And and we're so excited about that. But I want to thank everybody who prayed. It was real obvious to those that came to the public hearing uh, just how much favor the the town really wants to see this happen they're they're really incredibly accommodating to us and so we're we're just so thankful all you prayed of course all those on the town board as well and uh, real excited about what the future holds so, uh, if you have your Valley app, I want to invite you to go ahead and open that up. Follow along. We're going to be looking at some, some real, uh, I'd say kind of deep things today in this message uh, in, in the Scripture. And I think you're going to want to look back and be able to review what we talk about here. Uh, and, and we're calling this message, His Blood's for You. That's Jesus' blood for you. Jesus' blood for me. You know, it doesn't just, uh, His sacrifice doesn't just have implications profound implications for the future in eternity but right here right now today and we're going to see that real clearly uh in this message and so a quick review proverbs chapter 29 verse 18 the bible says if people can't see what god is doing they stumble all over themselves if they don't have any focus any vision they're just kind of wandering around you know aimlessly but when they attend to what He has revealed, what God has revealed, they are most blessed. And we talked about week one. Do we want to be kind of, sort of, maybe in a way a little blessed? Because if that's the case, we're living below what God wants for you and for me. Because the Bible makes it clear He wants us to be most blessed, but we're most blessed when we attend to what He's revealed, when, when we follow His direction when we follow his way. And then we talked about the path of life that we call it. And and David in Psalm 16, verse 11, put it this way. Speaking of God, he said, you will show me the way of life or the path of life. What are the next steps that you have for me, God? Granting me the joy of your presence, that's right here, right now, not in this, not in heaven in eternity, right here, right now, and the pleasures of living with you forever. So right here, the path of life, it has... It, it impacts how today, the, the quality of my life, could I put it that way? Uh, that's the way of life, joy in your presence that we can experience on a daily basis. And, and also has implications for eternity, the pleasures of living with you forever. And, and so here at Valley, we have like a, focal we have focus point we have four focal points uh, of our vision why we're here and we're just zoning in on them uh, even tighter and 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 we keep our focus as much as possible to keep it really really simple so that we can have the biggest impact possible you you know churches can be really good at a lot of stuff but the more you're good at the less you're great at you're excellent at And, and so we're not trying to do everything we have four real focal points that, that we want to zoom in on, uh, and, and that's what we, we want to be excellent at those four things. And everything we do as a church is filtered through our focus on, on really helping every person to live the full life which God created them for, created you for, created me for. Uh, we want to experience that way of life. And, and so we're here to help people, and we're here to help people in four, th- four ways. Uh, and these are our focal points here. First of all, know God. A- and each one of these builds on the next. T- t- people would come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, that primarily happens in our Sunday gatherings, just like this. It's not the only place, but, but primarily in our Sunday gatherings. And then, after you know God, then you can find freedom. And that's what we're going to drill down deep on today in our time together. To find freedom, the Bible says uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus came. Uh, that f- we would receive freedom. The Bible says it was for freedom that Christ died to set you free. A- and so y- you and I will never find true freedom until, first of all, we know God. That's where it comes from. Apart from him, we can find a small measure of it, but not the fullness of freedom that he has for you and he has for me. And so know God, find freedom. This primarily happens, we'll see in just a minute, in our small groups. Not the only place. I believe today a lot of folks are going to find freedom in the Valley family. Just by what we're talking about, Jesus' sacrifice for you and for me. But this is an important focal point. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose. That's what we talked about last week. And the primary place that that happens is in growth track. And uh, we're real excited. we're refreshing, relaunching uh, and re-recording growth track. And uh, that's going to be starting the first Sunday in October, nine o'clock in Poughkeepsie, nine o'clock here in our Hopewell campuses, well always at nine o'clock, both campuses. And uh, real excited. you give us four weeks to go through growth track and we're inviting and we're encouraging the whole valley family staff leadership everyone myself included we're all encouraging to go through growth track again because we are kind of rebooting it and uh, and it makes a profound impact on our lives when we discover i was made for this i was made for this we have one of these made for this moments that we talked about last week that we discover that you were made on purpose for a purpose. You give us four weeks at 9 o'clock on Sunday, and and you'll discover your purpose through Growth Track. That's why we have it. Huge focal point. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and then finally make a difference. And this is what we talked about in week number one. So we're working our way up in reverse order. Next week, guess what we're going to talk about? Knowing God how we can just grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ on a regular basis. But today we're talking about finding freedom. And as I said, the primary place where you see this happen uh, in Valley Christian Church is in our small groups. And we're actually, again, just focusing so much on these four things. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. And uh, I hope everybody just has this in their heart, you know, as we move forward into the bright future that God has for us that this is what we're all about, these four things. We want to do them not just good, we want to excellent, with excellence, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And, and so we, we didn't launch a whole bunch of small groups this fall like we normally do because we're, we're really working behind the scenes, underneath the hood, to, to make our do everything we can that our small groups go from very good to excellent. And so there's going to be a huge launch of small groups in January. But I do want to share with you an opportunity, a group that's coming online, uh, because we want to still help people. To, to find freedom in those groups. And, and so Tuesday night, starting in October, there's, we're going to have a Tuesday night Bible study. Pastor Dan Gilman's going to be leading that right here at our Hopewell campus, beginning on October 1st, 7 o'clock, Tuesday night, and going to go through, be done before Christmas, the whole book of 1 uh, Corinthians in the Bible, verse by verse, uh, Bible study. So if you're interested in that, open to anyone. Doesn't even have to attend our church. Uh, October the 1st, 7 o'clock, First Corinthians, Tuesday night Bible study. Pastor Dan Gilman on staff here is going to be leading that. So we want to give you that opportunity as well as some others that you've heard about in our announcements and all ways to connect. Uh, and, and then January, we're relaunching our groups and real excited about that. You'll be hearing a lot more uh, about that, and I've already touched on that in some of the previous messages in this series. So here's the whole thing. When we talk about finding freedom, God's system for healing the hurts of the past you know what his system is? Honesty and transparency. See, see, you, no one goes to the doctor and the doctor, you know, uh, because there's a problem and the doctor says, "What seems to be the issue?" And I'm like, "Oh, nothing, I'm fine." Well, well, sir, it looks like your arm just got cut off. No, 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 it's just a flesh wound. I'm fine. You, you know, you can't get healed, you can't get whole, you can't get help until you're honest, until you're transparent. And this happens in the context of relationship. This is why small groups are such a huge part of what we do here at Valley. So much so that we we said, we're not going to push anymore, we're not going to open anymore this fall. Because we want them to be excellent, not just very good, and they've been very good. And, And so, where does this come from? Well, a lot of places all throughout the Bible... But one of the primary ones, I think, that shows this in relationships is James chapter 5, verse 16. James 5, 16, it says, Therefore confess your sins to each other, to one another, to other Christians, and pray for each other. This is a big part of what happens in groups, prayer for one another, so that you may be healed. Healing comes from being honest and transparent in relationships. That's what the scripture teaches us. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I love this. Uh, in the original language, which is Greek in the New Testament, uh, a different kind of Greek that's spoken today, a little different. Powerful and effective. Do you know what that means? It produces wonderful results. It produces wonderful results. The prayer of a righteous person, we're not righteous because we're perfect. We've, we don't do anything wrong. We're righteous because of what jesus has done his through his life that's what makes us righteous not not anything of our own we're imperfect people but but when when people who love jesus christ gather together and they pray for one another because someone says listen i'm struggling with this it pro- that prayer produces wonderful results how is that possible well it's because of Jesus' sacrifice for you and for me. That's where the power is. There's power in the blood of Jesus. Power in the blood. I remember as a little little guy growing up in the Baptist church, you know, we sing that song. There is power, power, wonder working, power in the blood. <coughs> That's why I don't lead worship right there. Just gave you a sample there. But uh, there's power in the blood of Jesus. And, and if we're going to find freedom, first of all, we've got to know God. And then we find freedom when we realize what He's done for you and what He's done for me. And, and so let's look at a few of these key scriptures. And, and then we'll see, like, really how we can apply on a regular basis, daily basis, the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and me on the cross. And this is going to be kind of PG-13 message for sure, because we're going to talk about what he literally went through on the cross for you and for me, because his blood's for you. His blood's for me. Power in the blood. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. This is foolishness to those who don't know God first. It's absolute foolishness. What are you talking about? Makes no sense. Watch now foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us, that's those that know God, who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross of Jesus Christ, His sacrifice, that's where the power comes from, through His sacrifice, that you and I can find freedom. In fact, fast forward to the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation, and it talks about Our enemy, Satan, who's once and for all completely destroyed, no power, no influence, done away with completely, and that how we overcome our enemy, Satan, look at what it says, Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. They won the victory over him, that's Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the truth which they proclaimed. By the blood of the Lamb. The Lamb, Jesus. That's referring to Jesus as the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. How do we overcome temptation? How do we overcome adversity? How do we overcome addictions? How do we overcome our past by the blood of the Lamb and by the truth which they proclaimed? There's power in the blood. 800 years before Jesus was born by the Virgin Mary, when God took on human flesh and came fully man and fully God, 800 years before Jesus, the prophet Isaiah, God gave him insight into the sacrifice that the Messiah would make. And he prophesied this powerful, powerful picture of the sacrifice of the Son of God, Messiah and we find it in Isaiah chapter 53 and I want to focus on just one of those verses and and then unpack it really the whole chapter is phenomenal so much so I remember my undergraduate work uh, I took a class a whole semester course on the book of Isaiah and in the final exam after going through all the exam and everything uh, we had to write out word for word Isaiah 53 Word for word. And if you had one word wrong, two points off for every word wrong. That's, that's a little stress. That's a little pressure. Uh, and that's been about 30 years now, probably about 32 years. So I, I don't know that I have it all word for word in my mind. But it's amazing how much is still in there from that. Because this is, this is like a key passage in all the Bible. 800 years before Jesus was born. Look at, look at what Isaiah prophesies about the sacrifice of the Son of God. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. 800 years before the cross of Jesus Christ, God gives Isaiah prophetic insight into the sacrifice of Jesus the Son of God and the benefit that would come to you and me because of His sacrifice. And he talks about the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross four different ways. Four different could I put it this way? Uh, bleedings, four, four different uh, wounds that he would experience. He says, he'll be pierced, He'll be crushed, He'll be punished, and he'll be wounded. And, and uh, this didn't just happen to Jesus by accident. Uh, this happened to Jesus for you. Jesus went through this for you and for me. That's why his blood's for you. And we need to know the benefits of this sacrifice because that's where we begin to find freedom. This is the foundation of all freedom. It's found in the cross of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. And so... I want to take some time and just kind of unpack this. And, uh, and I, want to, uh, I want to just explain in some detail because some of us don't really realize it. Many of us just need to be reminded of, of what Jesus went through when he sacrificed so much for you. and He sacrificed so much for me on the cross. Four wounds for my freedom. Four wounds or woundings, you know, that Jesus suffered for your freedom, to bring you freedom. And it was real specific, you know. Think about any time that Jesus could have come to earth to to pay the price for for the sins of humanity. Why did he choose then? You know, if he came today, he probably would, I don't know, die of lethal injection. But there's something about the specifics of the sacrifice. That's what is so amazing. Isaiah, 800 years ahead of time, he goes into the specific ways that the Son of God would be sacrificed. And uh, it's really one of the most brutal ways that anyone could ever be executed, what Jesus went through. And, And Isaiah saw almost a millennia before it even happened, almost a thousand years before it even happened. And so what I want to do is go in chronological order of what Jesus, sac- what Jesus suffered and just show you how what Isaiah prophesied 800 years ago before Jesus, rather, benefits you and me on a daily basis. First of all, the whip. The whip, the whipping that Jesus suffered brings freedom to you and me in our body. That's what Isaiah says, by his wounds we are healed. By his wounds we are healed. You know, when, when we think about the, the whip, the whipping that Jesus took uh, that he suffered, don't think about Indiana Jones' whip. That's not what, that's not what the Romans used. You know, it wasn't da-da-da-da-da-da. That wasn't what was happening at all. In fact, uh, a Roman whip would, would be uh, kind of like a branch of a tree and uh, there'd be these leather strips that would be attached to it And then attached to those leather strips or or material cloth would be uh, pieces of glass, pieces of bone sharpened, even pieces of metal. Very, very different than Indiana Jones, like a horse whip. And, uh, And they wouldn't do it with one hand. In fact, there was so much weight to it, they would actually do it with two hands. And the punishment that Jesus received was what was called the 39 lashes. Now, that's really important. Because the, the way that the Romans would administer these lashes is they would hit the shoulder, upper shoulder part 13 times with 13 lashes here. And, and that bone that was sharpened and that metal and that glass would go in, go into the back of the person. And then that Roman centurion that was administrating it would pull down on it. And every single lash would yank off a piece of flesh, not just at the skin level, but deep into the muscle. And they would go 13 times over one shoulder, 13 times over the other shoulder, just ripping the shoulder muscles apart. And then 13 times, they would take that whip and go right at the spinal cord, right at the spinal cord of the person, and completely just unveil that person's spinal cord, tearing at the nerves and the flesh there. That's the 39 lashes. Many, many people died at that point, weren't able to even overcome that, to take that, 39 lashes. Jesus took those lashes for you, and he took those lashes for me. And that's what the Bible says here. By his wounds, we're healed. And I believe that every time that we're sick, every time that, that, that we suffer, there's something in our body. I think we need to pray and ask God to heal us. And uh, you know, sometimes people say, well, why, why, why doesn't God heal every time? You know what? I don't know. I don't know. But I know we should pray every time. Because by His wounds, we are healed. Uh, my, my own mother who uh, battled with cancer for five years, for 18 months... We, everyone was praying, so many people. I mean, not hundreds, thousands of people around the country just knew my mother, just a great Bible teacher. Uh, and we're praying, and, and she went into remission for 18 months, cancer-free. Completely cancer-free. Non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, gone. Dur- during the time leading up to it, she had to have 26 uh, transfusions of blood because her blood stopped producing uh, red blood cells. And then all of a sudden, just started up again. She was written up in a couple of medical uh, journals. as re- n- n- No answer as to why it happened. And for a year and a half, and it was pretty cool, during that year and a half, my brother Russ got married. My sister Becky got married. She saw all four of her kids married. My brother Scott and I were already married. 18 months. And then after 18 months, the cancer came back. And I remember when she called me and she told me, I'll just never forget that moment as I'm standing there in our old house Susie and I lived in and and she said, baby, the cancer's back. And I said, mama, we're gonna pray and God's gonna heal you again and I'll never forget what she said. She said, no, no, don't do that. She said, I think it's time for me to go home and I'm ready. And she was gone in four months. And God completely healed her. No pain, no hurt, no cancer. She's completely whole and full of joy in God's presence right now. See, He's either going to heal us totally in this life, or He's going to heal us totally in the life to come. That's because of Jesus. Jesus doesn't go to the cross. There is no healing in the life to come either. There is no life to come for you and me, except separated and tormented. By his wounds, we're healed. 1 Peter 2, verse 24 puts it this way. He himself bore our sins, Jesus bore our sins, in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness, and then here it is in the New Testament, quoting what Isaiah said in Isaiah 53, by his wounds, and I love this, watch this, you have been healed, past tense. Past, I've experienced miraculous healings in my own life, in my own body. I, I've seen God do miraculous things. Why doesn't he do it every time? I don't know, you're going to have to ask him. I, I, I know that he doesn't do it every time on this planet, but he does do it every single time in the life of a Christian whether in this life or in the life to come the whipping freedom in my body and then after that beating they, they took him the, the Roman guards took him and, and it should have been a public thing but they took him off and this is really uh, it's amazing this is, uh, uh, this, this is really not a pr- uh, how would put? according to Roman law this was not legal what they did here they took him off almost into like, the, it's called the praetorium. You can read about it in the Bible. Uh, and it's almost like the locker room for the Roman centurions. And, and there they, they spat on him. They blindfolded him. They punched him in the face. And they said, if you're a prophet, tell us who punched you. And then one of them got together, got some uh, thorns from a thorn bush and wove them into a crown of thorns and then mashed them down on his head. Mashed it, and those thorns didn't just scratch here, but they went down into and penetrated his skull. The thorns, freedom in my mind. Isaiah said, the punishment that brought us peace. Where does peace come? Right here. You know, so many of us worry, fear, fear, Anxiety. Jesus took that crown of thorns so you and I can have peace in our mind. Freedom in my mind and in your mind. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. In fact, Jesus made it real clear He, he wants you and I to experience peace, and that's why He shed His blood, that's why He died. John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus put it this way Peace I leave with you. And this is really important. My peace I give you, Jesus says. He, he says, this is, this is not the world's peace. This, this is completely different what I want you to experience. That's why he died on the cross. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Listen, I, I'm all for counseling and therapy, and I encourage that. And, and, and sometimes people even, uh, and I don't think it's a bad thing at all, sometimes people even need a, a little bit of medical help to kind of get them over the bump. You know, God bless you if that helps you and, and that works for you by all means. But but I do think, understand this, there's a different kind of peace that Jesus wants to give you and give me that can ever be found in a, in a in a bottle of pills, or on a couch with somebody else. A, a greater peace than, than just sharing my problems with somebody else. is Jesus' peace. And that's why I wore the crown of thorns. I do not give to you as the world gives you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. That's why it all starts. We can't find freedom from fear until we know God first. It's found in Jesus Christ. Know God and find freedom. Isaiah also put it this way, and and I remember as a little boy when, when, man, I struggle with fear. Struggle with fear. And it's been the power of God in my life that today I just don't have those fears anymore. I mean phobias that I had, just just real paralyzing fear. I remember my parents saying, Greg, you need to learn this verse and a few others about fear and about peace. But Isaiah 26, verse 3, Isaiah says, you will keep him in perfect peace. Watch this now. You talk about focus, you talk about vision, here it is. You'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, whose mind is focused on you, will have perfect peace. Because he trusts in you. Because he trusts in you. The thorns on Jesus' head, the blood that he shed through those thorns, we find freedom in our minds. Freedom from anxiety and fear and, and stress and worry. When we focus on him. That's why he suffered. To bring us freedom in our body. Freedom in our mind. And here's the fourth way. The nails. The nails. Freedom in my hands. He was pierced for our transgressions. Then he had to carry his cross. And then most of you know. Then he was crucified. And they would drive nails and interesting, probably not through the hand. In in Roman culture, the idea was the hand was from the elbow to the tip of the fingers. That's why you see those Romans when they they lock hands like this, they're shaking hands. We'd say they're shaking arms, but the whole idea was the hand was from the elbow, uh, from the crease in the elbow to the fingertips. And if they put the nails right through his hands, they probably would have torn out. Anyone who's crucified, it would have just torn straight through. And so more likely, it was right through here, the meaty part of the wrist. And so they would... They laid Jesus on that cross on the ground and they drove those nails through his hands, if they, uh, through his wrist there, If they did it through his hands, they'd probably have to tie it up as well, which maybe they did, I don't know. But then interestingly enough, when they go to nail the feet, they would fold them one over the other and then they would push them up so the knees were bent. A lot of times we see these pictures of like a Jesus being crucified and his legs are straight there. It probably wasn't like that at all. But they would bend the knees and the, the hands would be attached like this. A- and what would happen would be, uh, in order to breathe, because the lungs would begin to fill up with, with fluid from the crucifixion and the beating and everything else that they suffered, they would, they would have, to, they'd have to push up on those nails in their feet in order to get a breath, in order to be able to get some air, some wind, down into their lungs the nails through his hands and feet they bring freedom in my hands you know you know when you think about it uh, what are our hands Our hands are everything we've ever done in life everything we ever will do our feet every place we've ever been (laughs) every place we've ever gone he was pierced for our transgression a lot of us have done things we're embarrassed about, we're ashamed of. Jesus, He took the nails through His hands for you, for me. A lot of us have been places we shouldn't have been, and we visited places we shouldn't have gone. Jesus took the nails through His feet to bring freedom to our past from our past freedom from everything that i've ever done freedom from everything you've ever done hebrews chapter 8 verse 12 i love this god speaks here and he says for i will forgive their wickedness and i will remember their sins no more god makes that promise i don't remember your sins anymore because of jesus because of his sinless life, his sacrificial death on the cross, and his resurrection from the dead. He forgives and he forgets. That's the promise that God makes to you and me. He forgives us, but it's not like he remembers, oh yeah, well, you know, it's not like a little boy you know, breaks a window in the house and daddy says, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay for that window, but boy, you're gonna work this off. That's not God. We don't have to work our sins off. That's not the way he does. We say, Daddy, remember when I broke that window and you paid for it? And he goes, I don't remember what you're talking about. That's God. I don't don't remember what you're talking about, son. He forgives and forgets, but for many of us, we still carry the shame from what we did or where we went. And and Jesus took those nails in his hands and and nails in his feet so that we could have freedom in our minds from our conscience. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, I love this. It says, just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify your consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. That we don't have to be haunted by the things of the past that we've done and the things of the past where we've been. But because of the nails through Jesus' hands and His feet, we can be free to worship the living God who set us free. Set us free from those things in the past. And here's the fourth one, the final one. The Bible says that Jesus breathed His last and He died. And He said, Father, into Your hands I commit my spirit. One of the things they would often do... The cruci- those being crucified, if, uh, if they didn't die quick enough, they would go and they'd break their legs. So they couldn't push up anymore, and they'd die. And, uh, and when they went to the ones on either side, they did that, but when they went to Jesus, he was already dead. And so to verify this, verify this and confirm it, he wasn't asleep, he was dead. The Bible says a Roman centurion picked up a spear and pushed it up into his heart right underneath the rib cage here. And punctured his heart to see if it was still, he was still alive. And the Bible says that blood and water flowed out from his side. The spear, freedom in my heart. Freedom in my heart from the pain that so many of us have experienced in this life in our hearts. He was crushed for our iniquities. How did Jesus die? Did he die, of, uh, uh, did he die of the whipping? Did he die of the crucifixion? Did he die of suffocation? No. His heart burst on the cross. His heart burst for you and for me. His heart was broken. That's why blood and water came out when that spear pierced his side. I don't know about you, but I've, I've had my heart broken before. Jesus knows what that feels like. and He went through that for you. He went through that for me. I've been stabbed in the back by a friend that I trusted who's betrayed my trust and my confidence. Jesus knows what that feels like. spear pierced his side so that we could have our hearts restored and healed and mended he knows what that feels like psalm 147 verse 3 it says he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds That's not speaking of eternity. That's what Jesus wants to do right now. Because his heart's been broken as well. He died of a broken heart. See, Jesus didn't just die for you to go to heaven someday. He did die for that, but not only that. Jesus died that today you and I could have Healing in your body, peace in your mind, guilt-free in the works of our hands, and joy in our heart. That's why David said, you show me the way of life, joy in your presence, and life in eternity with you. Aren't you glad that Jesus gave his blood for you and for me and his body was broken? That's where we find freedom, when we recognize all that Jesus has done for us. And in sincere, honest, authentic relationships, we begin to share our lives with others and they lift us up in prayer. And right now I want to close this message in prayer for you because his blood's for you would you bow your heads with me heavenly father we thank you for Jesus thank you Lord for sending your son to live a sinless life and to lay that life down as a sacrifice and a substitute for us he took my place He took my punishment. He took every one of our punishments so that we could have healing in our bodies. We could have peace in our minds. We we could have a guilt-free conscience because of the things our hands have done. And we could have joy in our hearts. And Father, I just pray that by your Holy Spirit you would help us, Lord, uh, that, that we would have in the front of our minds, not in the back, the reality of what Jesus sacrificed and suffered for us, each and every one of us, and that we would walk in the freedom. It cost Jesus too much for us not to walk in the fullness of the freedom that he purchased for us on the cross. And Lord, may we walk this freedom out, Lord, in the context of, of relationships and friendships with other followers of Jesus Christ that'll lift us up, that'll pray for us when we're struggling and that we can continue just to go from freedom to freedom to freedom in the fullness of all that Jesus Christ paid for us. Thank you, God, for the gift of Jesus. And right now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, boy, I'd be missing a great opportunity if I didn't give everyone and anyone And the hearing of my voice right now, the opportunity to put your faith in Jesus Christ and receive him as your Lord and Savior today. The Bible says that if we declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And so right now, I just want to invite you, if you've never done it before, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, just to repeat this prayer of acknowledging Jesus as your Lord and Savior and inviting him to really be number one in your life. Just pray this prayer after me right now and open your heart to him. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I turn from them today. Jesus, I ask you to be my Savior and I ask you to be my Lord. Thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. And Jesus, I ask you today to lead me, to guide me from this day forward and I will follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Amen.